the South Coast End Zone Podcast. Extended coverage of high school football from sports editor Lori Lose of the Standard Times. Now, the South Coast End Zone. Welcome back to South Coast End Zone, the podcast. After a one-week hiatus, we had no games last week, thanks to old Rochester having a bye in the Division VI tournament. So we're now looking ahead to the Thanksgiving Games Rivalry Week. I am here, Brendan Carey, along with Sam Schilling and Nick Fryer. Thanks for being here, guys. Always a pleasure, Brendan. Good to be here. Great week. Nick, has been a two-week absence for you. You weren't able to make it to the last one. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did put in your uh, your failed Cougars pick for you, though. Oh, you did, Made thanks. sure everyone knew about that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. That was the Fairhaven loss, right? That yeah. was, yeah. Hey, you know what? It happens sometimes. You got to, you know... They, what, they tried to outkick their coverage, and they ended up losing that one. But I'm sure next time they, they get an opportunity like that, they'll rush the occasion. And I think there's some old colony teams over the last couple of years that could have given Fairhaven a much last tougher year's run, team, especially last year's Last year's team, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I don't know, even two years ago's team. They had some Yeah, definitely. They, I think, some but I think, they weren't quite as cohesive as a team that year, but they probably had the most top-end talent. I think they had more talent two years ago, but they were a better team this past year. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to be looking ahead to uh, Thanksgiving as well as Old Colony's uh, Wednesday night game. Uh, but we'll hold that one for the end. We'll go through the Thanksgiving games first. So if you're a Cougar fan, uh, I'll put the time that uh, we get into the Wednesday game in the description of this. So Cougar stamp. Also, good week to be a Cougar. Anybody watching the Apple Cup, uh, Washington State's like in the top ten for the first time in however long. So that's going to be really seven, fun. Number seven, I think I saw. Number seven, yeah. Seven, they're doing yeah. it. It's, it's pretty special. So. What are they, uh, se- seven and one? Is it? Oh, no, they're ten and one. Ten and one. Ten so, and yeah. one. And they're playing an eight and three uh, University of Washington team on Friday night. So if if you're a football fan, you probably want to be tuned into that. Is, it, uh, is Washington State the red one? Uh, maroon, yeah. Maroon, whatever, same thing. Yeah, Mike Leach. That's okay. the, okay, the yeah. air raid All right. in yeah. its yes. purest form. Who I believe I just read an article uh, cost the school $1.6 million recently. But with this ten and one, he's probably made them what? back that's that. That's true. That's true. Probably tenfold. Tenfold? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the amount of... $16 million. Yeah. All right. And then they said, because what they say, Lane Kiffin made Florida Atlantic last year because, like, you know, in terms of the number of students that were applying and things like that. So they actually won't know... um, The full impact. The full impact of it. But being a top 10 team and especially doing it, like, their average recruit is a two or three star, whereas everybody else in the top 10 is a... their composite recruit is a four and five star. So that's, that's pretty unique. That's pretty special. And they're doing it with a graduate transfer who split time at East Carolina last year, who's middle of the pack in like conference USA. So, I mean, talk about, uh, coaching him up. He's, he's doing a good job. Just, just stay off Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go to the most uh, important game here. We have on Thanksgiving rivalry day, Durfee, the Hilltoppers coming to new Bedford with the big three championship on the line. Uh, New Bedford is looking to win it for the first time under coach Mark DeBrito. Uh, last time, I believe, was actually Dennis Golden's last season. Uh, so, obviously, DeBrito was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they haven't won a big three title since. Uh, I'm looking at this one. You know, Whalers have been cruising in recent weeks. Like They finally found yeah. their groove in the second half of this season. Mm-hmm. Makes you wish they'd found it a little bit earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd be stunned if they don't go in there and just, I mean – kicked a tar out of Durfee. I mean, I know Durfee's made strides in the past few years with their program, but they're just nowhere on the same level as New Bedford. This should be, it should be a cakewalk, but at the same time, in high school games, you get worried about that a little bit if guys kind of get a little lazy, think before they've you know already played a snap that they have this one. We thought it was going to be a cakewalk last year, yeah, and Durfee ended up winning a real uh, defensive battle. Stunned. And this is in, in New Bedford this yes. year? Yes, in New Bedford, yeah. 10 a.m. on Thursday. It's going to be a cold day on, on Very Thursday. Very cold, 20s, I believe. Uh, yeah. 
so you'd think but even if they have to go to the ground you know Latrell Canto who you know transferred from Durfee so he's probably got a lot to play for playing against some old uh, teammates and coaches and you also think about it is sometimes you wonder what the seniors have at stake but they've got a winning record so they're sitting at five and five They've got that online and the big three title. So I do think sometimes you worry about that little bit of a drop-off, but I think there's enough at play where this senior class who, you know, the coaching staff, the whole school put a lot on this this group. I think it still means a lot to them to say, hey, we were big three champs and uh, we finished with a winning record and maybe some style points on top of that, you know. I mean, big three champs is definitely a lot to play for. Huge. I mean, and these kids have already kind of proven that, like, they're not the same team as last year that kind of cratered. Mm-hmm. After things went wrong, they lost in the playoffs, and then they just lost out the rest of the season, including some bad loss. Probably the Durfee loss was the worst of them. Yeah, it was brutal. This year, they've kind of done the opposite. You know, they get a tough loss in Nauset, much more competitive losses. Your game, like mm-hmm. you were at, Nick, they probably the should have won. Oh, or Natick, I'm sorry, not Nauset. I'm, no, it's just. So, yeah, yeah. Natick for both of those years, of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean. But they've kind of come together, and they won. The Milton game was probably the best game uh, they put Mi- together. Yeah, was it Milford? Milford. Milford. I keep, man, all these Dude. schools that are too close <laughs> together. The first, yeah. the first letter, right. Normally I have all these notes in front of me, and uh, no we're recording this on Monday. Yeah, that So Milf- I'm a little behind where I normally am. That Milford game was great. And then to me, just personally, I was a little disappointed that they got they had to play Brookline because that seemed like didn't look like a game on paper and didn't look like it didn't sound like a game. So, they, yeah. it, you know, it was great to get another win in the win column. But – you know, just to kind of prove their mettle because that, that Milford team was pretty darn good and they completely dominated for like the and first three quarters. And that Natick game, man, they, I mean, that, there was one – they got called for a hold on a fourth down that they scored a touchdown on and they didn't convert after that. That was huge. And after that, it sent New Bedford in a tailspin and they, they couldn't bounce back. But that was a terrible call and DeBrito lost his mind. Again, rightfully so. But, I mean, if they get that touchdown, they don't make that bad call – New Bedford maybe still in the postseason, you know, they, they I don't think they would continue going for but they at least would have gotten one win under their hats. But I think that loss in the Thanksgiving Day game last year, Brendan, I think set the tone for this year's team because I remember interviewing, I believe it was true, and a couple other guys, um, definitely Mark after the game, and asking them, you know, about the loss. I mean, you know, going going in after a loss, talking to kids and talking to the coaches. Not the easiest thing. Not always easy. And when it's a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day game against a team you expect to beat handily, it's even worse. Yeah. And you could tell right then and there. I mean, they talked, but he, you know, even DeBrito was like, we need to make adjustments. And I think they've just kind of carried that over into this year. And as much as they've had moments where it's been tough, they haven't let it manifest into what it did last year. What was your biggest surprise this year from the Whalers, just kind of looking at the whole season as a whole? Uh, just the, the amount of time it took for kind of the offense to click um, just through the early season. Um, you know, some of those really tight losses, and then you look at how kind of those, the Taunton loss and then the Whitman-Hanson game, and there's a couple others strewn in there. I, like bridgewater Rain, I'm like, you know, you're gonna lose. That's a tough team. That's a tough program. And I know. Yeah, that they was, probably did what they could. That was a pretty, game, pretty competitive yeah. game. But a couple of those really early season losses. I thought Taunton that, one was tough. I thought that uh, those were tough because you know then they could have been in a position where they were hosting a playoff game and maybe getting their feet under them a little bit at that point in the season. Um, but then you know with Milford you, against a really I thought a very high caliber team. You know they they showed they could play it kind of both through the air, on the ground, be kind of multifaceted, and kind of what I was hoping to see a little bit earlier. But kind of those, um, you know, I think through the first three or four games, they'd only, until the Bishop Fian game, you know, they'd only scored, well, like, you 20-something know. Twenty-something total points, yeah, they're I averaging think, like, yeah, you know, six-game six, points a game, yeah. Yeah, six or seven points a game. So I guess, to me, that was the biggest surprise. And then also, 
a guy, uh, Baron Hilton, I, I thought was just um, really underutilized. Like he, to me, is the best best athlete, and then also has he's not just an athlete without game sense. He's also really tough. Has a nose for the football on defense, and then offensively, I just I didn't think he was used used as much. And yeah, I was, was surprised, surprised how little he got the ball. He did have some issues with drops mm-hmm. that may have factored in. You know, he didn't didn't seem and like he was his hands were too. where they were last year. And After the, the second game. half of the season, yeah, he was injured. Yeah. yeah, it's possible he was nicked up earlier in the year too because he didn't quite seem like. You know, he was his normal self through much of the season. Yeah. That's what surprised me most was how well they did without him, with him being injured for a good chunk of the year. Shahid Barros really stepped mm-hmm. up. Yep, absolutely. I was talking to one of the uh, assistant coaches the other day, and uh, he was actually saying he thought by the end of the season, Shahid is the best player on the team. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, and he's got and another not year. Not surprising, and he's a junior. I mean, this yeah. is a really senior-laden team, mm-hmm. so it's nice to see a kid who's a junior really excelling. Well, he really popped that Brockton game once mm-hmm. Barron went down, and then he had uh, – I think a fumble recovery for a touchdown. He had a receiving touchdown and another forced yeah, and I think fumble. Even before that, the Fiend game, he'd had a pretty good game too. Yeah, so he's he's all over the place. And, you know, again, uh, great athlete. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, but, again, I think they did a really good job of keeping their heads up and, and battling through. Because, again, it, it can be hard when the expectations are set so when high. When you saw the exact same group not do that last year, that's what's really impressive to me is, like, that maturity over a year to be like – to last year we literally saw them in almost the exact same situation. I think they were three and four – when they lost in the playoffs, uh, I guess maybe three and five with the playoff loss, but you know, right around there. Uh, and then it just kind of cratered and mm. things fell apart. And then this year it went the exact opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who are you picking? New Bedford, 100%. Yeah, New Bedford, I think it's going to be. Yeah, we're three for three on the Whalers here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, go to the next uh, Thanksgiving morning game. Again, these are all uh, 10 a.m. on Thanksgiving games. Uh, let's go to uh, a couple of locals here. Uh, Old Rochester at Aponiquit. The big question in this one probably is how long the starters play for the Bulldogs. 100%. I've talked to Justin Kogler. They're going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to play after halftime. And I think how long they play up till halftime probably depends on what the score of the game is. Right. And mm-hmm. how the flow of the game. If they're dominating early, they're up 21-28 nothing. You might see him hit the bench a little bit earlier. His donking, though, was because they didn't have that semifinal game, that state semifinal game the week before, ah. he didn't want his starters to go three weeks without playing in a real football That's game. That's true. Yeah. And you can only do so much with scrimmages and you know, inter-squad yeah. and all that type of stuff. Not the same. So I think it might have been a different story. If they had played on Friday you know, against you know, yeah. North and Central, whatever it would have been, it would be a different story on Thanksgiving. Right. But so now we're this- definitely going to see the starters – I'd say for a minimum a quarter and possibly up to a half. So now, because of that, the unbeaten season is seems much more realistic. Because I was thinking coming into this game, why would you play your starters for one second? But that's right; you don't want to have them have that long of a layoff. Um, but even then, I kind of wonder: can the second string guys on their own go in? No, no offense to Aponquit, but can the second string guys on this team go in and beat Aponquit anyways? Because I mean, like you were talking about, we were talking about before. Um, now that Will's back, who is it that's not running? Jackson away? Cody. Yeah, Jackson Cody. He's kind of a second-string guy now. Exactly. And he's proven he can be a top-tier varsity guy. Yep. Yeah, no, it's top competition. I agree with uh, your analysis, and I do think that kind of this having that that buy into the you know the state championship game does allow them to then just kind of you know let these guys play and treat it like a dress rehearsal and play into you know at least the first half and then into the second half, and I think you know just the way that they kind of operate and how, uh, you know, physically dominating on a cold day. Uh, I, I wouldn't think that it was close after, you know. Yeah, I think there's a chance they might be able to bring them out after a quarter or maybe one drive into the second quarter or something like that. We'll, we'll see. Aponiquit's not going to – it's going to be in a similar situation to where it was when it played all Rogers the first time this year 
which was a 39 nothing loss. Uh, no Shane Cooney. And then Brent Dixon's kind of on the fence about whether he's going to be able to play. He wants to play. But uh, the question is going to be, is he physically But, but you know what? When you br- now, the more I think about it, that you bring up that point about them having that long layoff, it almost just makes more sense to have them play the whole first half no matter what because... That could be it too. It just, we, they're going to go into that next game and have played one quarter over the last three weeks. They're going to be dog-tired if they do that. I think just... Even if they don't play them as many snaps through two quarters... I would say, you know, try and mix them in throughout the course. And they of do have a lot of different packages, different personnel. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, they, obviously a lot of the skill possessions are very deep other than wide receiver. Yeah, and they, they have a real stable of running backs. Cause stable of running you know, backs. They got Diaz, a good number of D-backs. Cody, yeah. Will Garcia now, uh, Anthony Childs you'll see back there. Yep. Um, Dylan DeWolf, Dylan DeWolf, Camden, Camden Brzezinski. Brzezinski. Yep. So it's like they got six or seven guys who would probably be on maybe five of the teams that in our coverage area would probably be the best back, you know, so it's, it's a good And they problem go fairly deep on the lot. I mean, they're kind of deep everywhere. Yeah. Is it so. Diaz now or is it Dias? Dias? I don't know. What is it? Dias, I believe. Dias. I thought it was Dias. Yeah. Okay. okay. All, right. Sure. all right. No, no, it's okay. I just want to make sure I didn't miss the uh, memo. That's all right. I'm, I'm Nate Ignossett and uh, Milford uh, Milton over here. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah, this is true. You know, we, we shift the pod to a Monday and we're just all over the place. Yeah, you definitely. Not in our usual routine, you know, no, right? not at all. We're, uh, we're like an uh, football NFL team that has to play on Thursday instead of Sunday. Yeah, and I've had the long layoff, too, so I'm <laughs> just, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, anything you're kind of looking for from the uh, Aponiquit side here? I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of those sophomores now, you know, a couple of these seniors aren't going to be playing, or, you know, Dixon, we're, we're still not sure on, but you looking for anything from them, kind of the last performance of the year? I think the one thing that concerns me, and I get it's gotten more of an old Rochester spin on it, but I would think that Aponiquit is going to go all out in this game because you know because they're trying to you know upend the undefeated team the champions of the conference blah 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 all this stuff maybe the state champs um, they go all out that's the one thing that's a concern for me for old Rochester going into this is someone could someone get hurt and not because the Pontiquit intends to do it they're just trying to go out and impress people and make a statement um, that's the one thing I think I'm watching for in this uh, out of a Pontiquit yeah Absolutely. Really so it's a win for Old Rochester. I mean, the Old Rochester does have something to play yeah. for, though. They, some of these games they would have oh, yeah. nothing to play for, but the uh, unbeaten streak, because you know the mm-hmm. streak, which actually dates back to last season, Thanksgiving, and the unbeaten season are still on the line. Right, but even if they if they had that game in the middle, I don't think they would. Pl- I would think they wouldn't play any of their starters whatsoever. They could still win the game. It would be significantly harder. But I just, why would you risk it at that point, right? Sure, there's a lot of downside as far as injuries. Yeah, but as we mentioned, they're also very deep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are there are a couple of key guys that if they went down, yeah, that could be significant. Going to the state title game, yeah. Yep, you know, I mean, I think Pontiac's going to be playing hard. You know, again, mostly uh, sophomores and juniors, so kind of playing for next year. I don't think there's going to be any significant letdown. Um, I just think with the weather the way it's going to be, and then also ORR having a lot to play for and having that extra week of uh, rest. Um, but again, you know, Pontiac lost 39 to nothing so they're probably trying to play and, and show their improvement over the course of the season so i'd expect a closer closer outcome than that but i think it'll be uh you know orr is going to be playing hard but mindful of you know trying to get out of there with you know shorten the game and you know get out of there get get to your turkey dinner and get ready for <laughs> next friday you know honestly i'm just waiting for sam to make his case on dias right now I, that's right we've we been before this podcast yeah. we we're going to get into a little bit of uh offensive defensive player of the year stuff Sam, you've been making the case in recent weeks for uh, either A, for us to change the format away from an offensive and defensive player of the year to go to more of an MVP 
Yeah. Which I guess the NFL does all three, right? So you could not have a third, of. yeah. Yeah, but um, we shouldn't be comparing it to the NFL because the beauty of high school football is it's the last serious level of football outside of a, a freak random Deion Sanders or occasionally a guy will play, you know, whatever, wide out and like, you know, Troy Brown. Julian but Edmund. like this is where a guy is seriously, you know, like a full-time two-way starter. And I think that that's a really unique, awesome part about high school football. And to then focus on the specialization where you break that up at the expense of then, um, you know, having a full-time defensive starter for your defensive MVP and a usually a quarterback on offense being your offensive MVP. Uh, running back a lot in the high school level, but yeah. Sure, sure. But, but a guy that's not playing both ways at the expense of a guy who is, for me uh, – Des Dias is a guy who is the focal point of what they're doing on offense and defense, but doesn't have the gaudy offensive numbers. And defensively, you know, there, there's probably a question whether he's even the best defensive player on his own team because, uh, like, you're a proponent of Dylan DeWolf. I am, yeah. I mean, I do think, you know, I'll be making the offensive and defensive player of the year decisions. Uh, you know, this is this is Lori Lowe's system, so I'm not going to uproot it and create a third MVP. Oh, sure. Or, you know, uh, can't, can't do that to her. She got, <laughs> she's got her system in place, and I'm going to, you know, f- stay inside the box and follow the rules here. Um, I may be a little bit different in that I do think uh, I'm going to put a little more emphasis on the offense and defensive, where in some years it's just been kind of like, close to the two best players. Like, who were the two best players? You know, last year, Isaac Nascimento and Harry Smith. Now, Harry Smith was a, you know, both were good. Harry Smith was was a better defensive player. Yep. I don't know. I don't actually remember if we actually kind of even... I think they were co-MVPs. I think they were co. We didn't even kind of call one one and one the other. Um, Because there wasn't really like one was absolutely the best defensive player of the year. I do think the defensive player of the year this year is going to come down to old Rochester. And I'm curious to see, you know, because when I go through this process, you know, I take my own insights and I look at the stats and then I talk to the coaches, both the own team and the opposing coaches. So I'm interested when I kind of survey those coaches uh, to kind of see who they think was the best individual. Because yeah. I'm on the, you know, I'm team DeWolf over here. Not that I think Desmond Dias is a bad defender. I think he's probably the second best defensive player. Um, but I think DeWolf is just a little more versatile. I think he can, he's a little better in the blitz and then he's a little better at dropping back into coverage yeah. when need be. Whereas Dias to me is really kind of that. And you need this, that stout, run-stopping linebacker oh, but he was who's going to hit the hole. And, and, you know, he can play sideline to sideline, but it's downhill so much of the time. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it'll come down to who Coach Kogler wants to promote or whatever. But to me, it's like if you, you know, just like an arbit, arbitrary ranking system where, like, let's say on 100, like, uh, Dias is like a 90 as a running back. What, he's got like 800, 900 yards, double-digit touchdowns. I believe. You know, Tied maybe, to the area lead you know, touchdowns. And again, it's, he doesn't throw the ball, so obviously Justin Lopes' stats are a little more impressive on that side of the ball. But again, he's, he's tied for the, lead, the, the area lead and touchdown scored. And then on defense, it would, I have no idea in terms of statistics. Yeah, All I, I know I is no idea what their tackle numbers they flipped are in playing, playing Ashland. They flipped into a nickel as their base defense. They had four down linemen, basically, and the two rush ends were Cam Brzezinski and Dylan DeWolf. Usually, the person you move to the rush end, that's more of a one-dimensional. Occasionally, you'll, you'll float out of the, to the flats or take a running back out of the backfield. But usually, you keep your linebacker 
in the middle of the field who you have a little bit more faith in, can go sideline to sideline. That's actually a more multidimensional position than being a stand-up defensive end, which is the position they moved Dylan DeWolf into. Again, a lot me, of this that will shows come down his versatility to, because he went from being a middle linebacker, interior linebacker, to being an outside no, but a know, ru- defensive end. Being a rush end is a much he, more is like a very simple task. It's like I get that the task is simpler, but the fact that they took him from one to the other position to me shows he's the more versatile guy who can play in different scenarios. Okay, so I'll even I'll even grant you that let's say Dylan DeWolf is by not a huge margin is a yeah, better ta- defensive yeah. player. We're talking about nuance. But Dylan here. Dylan DeWolf <laughs> hasn't had like significant snaps on off. He plays sure. offense, but he's played like maybe what fifteen to twenty percent of the offensive snaps. Where Signi- way significantly yeah. less. So not even in the same. Let's say point. again with this arbitrary hundred ranking system, Dylan DeWolf is a ninety four middle linebacker. Uh, Des Diaz is a ninety two or ninety three. But he's also a 90 on offense, and to me, he's also, like, I don't understand how you don't take that into consideration or feel like your system really shorts this guy who's doing the thing that is so unique and makes high school football special because he's doing it at such a high level and being a leader on both sides of the ball. So you have and then you short him, and then he just becomes an all-star? When really well, he, he should be a super team. I mean, super there's no way Desmond or, Diaz is not going to be a super teamer. And he may be defensive news. player of the year. But what, <laughs> but what, you're, what, so what you're saying is, Instead of we shouldn't short the two way guy. Instead, we should short the one way guy. Yes. Okay. I feel like that so, should be added into the formula. Well, I don't even think you should have so offense. So I think you should have a so player of the year. It's Iron Justin Man, Lopes's fault that he Iron doesn't play Man. as much defense. Well, it's probably co- it could be coaches trying to protect coach's him, and that's exactly so. But I understand it's not the kid's it. fault at all where he plays. The kid plays where the coach sends no, him out to play. No, and when you're a quarterback, I understand that, like for sure. But I think that there maybe there should be a third award for the best all around. The best. So that's what I'm saying. Player. You're going to the NFL system of MVP, offensive player, defensive player, and you hand out three awards. Yeah, um, that's what you're essentially proposing here, basically. Yeah, which is right? a bad an idea. MVP, yeah. it's not an offensive happen player, this year. defensive player. NFL does it. More it's of an Iron of. Man award. An Iron Man award. I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever. A third award. Basically, and Luke Gehrig. That's not what you're talking. You're looking about. for a two way award. You're talking about a two way award. Yeah, that's yeah. been called like an Iron. Has it? Yeah, I think that's like a thing. I hate that idea. I, but I do love that you're basically using a Madden scoring system on yeah. everything. Yeah, I definitely caught on to that. That's true. I'm trying to think. I'm going through in my head now. Who would give him competition for that best two-way player award? Yeah, because... Baron I'm, Hilton probably going into the season you would have put in the conversation, but with the injuries he had... Really and exactly. And, you well, know, that's probably the other He was so inconsistent. I mean, Harry Smith was was like that. But I mean, were, has there been a guy like that every single year where he plays both sides of the ball so well, I mean, that he has competition for that? Is there yeah, a candidate? I mean, I'm trying to yet? think of this year who, who that, you know, who's the. I mean, I, I would probably agree. Diaz is probably the best two way player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know. could yeah. rotate like the who got top billing because in a, a certain year, that could then be maybe the offensive player of the year would be a more, uh, have a more significant impact. But I think like in this year, to me, like that kid just jumps off the page. It's but not even close. I mean, I'm he's, going to, he's so important on both sides of the ball, and uh, he's very important on defense. So it would be interesting to see if they because he was one of the few guys they didn't lose at any point offensively, mm. and they probably would have plugged in either DeWolf or Brzezinski into his role because we kind of saw the other role. You know, they have the two running back role. They have kind of the thunder and lightning thing going, and and the lightning had to be replaced a couple of times, and they didn't lose a lot of a beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if how that would have gone with kind of that thunder role. 
if, you know, the drop-off would have been mm-hmm. as significant. You know, we saw, you know, there's, I would say there's a little bit of a drop-off in that role from Harry Smith to Desmond Diaz. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it would have been, you know, wonder if it's a plug-and-play position or not. And again, I don't want to take anything away from Desmond Diaz. He's an incredible player. Right. Great kid. Yeah. Had a hell of a season. But, you know, you wonder if that position is – the fullback in the old Rodgers system is, is minimum 10 touchdowns a season almost. Mm-hmm. Just because of how many inside the five carries you get almost. Can I ask something? Is the Wolf on your fantasy team? He may be. Yeah, he may I, be. He's not, I don't think because he's not on mine. Dias is on mine. He is on yours, yes. Yes. You have, so you have Di- uh, the Wolf and you have Lopes. I do. Mm. I do. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, or, or I can just say I recognize talent early in the season. I drafted uh, appropriately. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know a, a I don't good, know with chicken or the egg, right? A good way to <laughs> a good way to solve who won that draft outside of the vote, which I clearly won that, uh, would be <laughs> to see uh, who ends up getting the most super teamers and the most all stars, and obviously player of the year. You could do three, two, one in terms of points, or maybe four, two, one since player of the year deserves a little extra credit. And I would never rig the ballot. No, never, <laughs> never, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah the, co- well, the coaches have input. So yeah, I mean, no, I'll, I'll be interested to see what the coaches say because that's actually going to yeah, be absolutely. the most interesting because we can say whatever we want, but like what Justin Kogler has to say and then i would also think that it would factor and he in. also knows what that kid means in practice to the team yeah you know he knows you know we yeah. see kind of the tip of the iceberg a lot of times right and it's interesting to yeah. see what's going on underneath the water and who he really respects well i'm curious what like fife says and, and what rudy would say to those guys who I played mean, like, against him. they played against him like who are you most who are you dealing with most defensively like who's the problem for you is it the wolf or is it dice or is, or is it somebody else because that i mean true could take away from those guys too i mean obviously you're not you're probably going to give it to one of them too but i mean still just curious what they have to say mm-hmm. i would think it's going to be dice it has nothing to do with the fact that he's on my team <laughs> but i would think it's going to be him based on what sam said yeah, it's unknowable right now, but it's certainly a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, and again, I, I mean, we're talking. You know, I want these kids who are listening to this and the parents are ready to, like. We're talking oh. about just little differences of talent level at the top. I'll tell you what. At the yeah. top of the podium. Anybody here. that's listening to this that gives a damn about the super teams, which I'm sure you do. Is that okay that I said damn? Is that I right? think that's okay. So I can yeah. say damn. I can say that three times in a row is all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's when, draw the line there, though. When it comes to <laughs> picking these super teams and the, the player of the years, some of it's cut and dry. Some of it's not at all. And we, I mean, we're keeping tabs on the kids all year, but it's just so hard. And I can't tell you. I mean, I, I need to pour my heart out a little bit <laughs> the volleyball super team was so hard i'm not going to go into it was it too a tough far. year god it was so there are kids who are on the all-star team that could have been super teamers and kids on honorable mention that could have been all-stars i am just it, it's been it, and it's, it's a, a small team p, yeah exactly because we go based on how many starters if it start was, in the actual sports was, there's only six kids if they had the numbers that field hockey gets I wouldn't have had any issues, none whatsoever. But I just, it was hard. People are going to be upset. It's part of why we, we do this, because people care. I mean, it's, it's the most relevant thing, I think, that we do 100%. Oh, just, people love them. People talk about I, them. As a kid, I, I, I enjoy doing them. Yeah. I, it was, I, look, you know, I, there are other papers that do it that I appreciate. How, whatever. how many times player of the year was Nick Fryer? I was once, and I was, once. I, I was I a super twice, teamer yeah. once. No, 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 no. I was a super teamer um, my junior year. No. I can't remember. Oh, no, no. Uh, King Costa was, uh, 
Yeah, King Costa. But anyways, um, it's just it, it, we care about it so much. I mean, it's it, the, the kids. We do. That's one thing I think people don't realize is like how much work actually goes into producing these super teams and how many opinions we take. Oh and, man, I, yeah, you and know. Yeah. And then anyway, among us in the office, we discuss it. We yeah. take in our own observations from games. We talk to all the coaches. We talk to opposing coaches. Yep. Like you know, we there's not one set system. It's just kind of uh, you take in all the information you can, try and to make it, the best. It is about decision the kids. you can. I mean, like we like we're look, we are sports writers and journalists and stuff like that, but. We this is something where it's like we want to get it. We always want to get it right, but like this one is like you want to get it a thousand percent right. And even when you get it right, it doesn't always feel good. It doesn't. Absolutely. It's just, but it's the way it is. Anyways, I, I brought us off the rails as always. But what do we have next? There next, we got another two local teams: Fairhaven at Dartmouth. Uh, also ten o'clock. This one's going to be uh, at. So it'll be, the, I believe, the last game played on grass at Dartmouth Stadium. This is, I, I find every year, I think it's such a weird matchup. And you were talking about it before, Sam. I don't want to steal your thunder, but I just feel like this is such a mismatch. No, no knock on, on Fairhaven, but it's just, and I know, believe me, I'm the first one to say that Old Colony can hang with other people. But it's just, this is such, I don't know, Dartmouth's just always head and shoulders above everybody else. Usually, I know this year's not the case, but it just seems like a huge mismatch for the in the area, the big, the biggest one in Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't, I can't really recall when Fairhaven won. I, I don't know so, either. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not, um, not in recent years, but yeah. But I mean, they they had some good runs, you know. Yeah. If you're and I think 15, I, 20 years ago. Yeah, I think but we I saw, you know, based on the way Dartmouth has in pretty impressive fashion kind of finished out the season kind of cruising towards uh i think could be like a four and seven finish and especially mm-hmm. after i mean sitting at were they one and one and seven or? i think they were one and seven um so you know hats off to them and the, but the fact that they were able to beat bishop stang who was able to hang with orr mm-hmm. you know to do kind of the store score game um and then uh, I don't know what the Fairhaven ORR game score was, but I know it wasn't really close. No, it was one of the 42 to nothing. Yeah, so uh, I think they'll take care of business, uh, Dartmouth that is. And, you know, you hope um, Fairhaven, you know, you never know because they do run that triple option. So if, you know, if you possess the ball, shorten the game, all those things, maybe try to keep it close. But I just don't know how what kind of breaks would have to happen for them to win the game? Because also this, like, Javar Williams is really coming Oh, yeah, on. yeah. And that's kind of exciting. <laughs> he's, he's a little can... quieter against Stang. He had his big breakout game against Somerset Berkeley. Oh, yeah. And then Stang did a little better job on him. Yeah. Um, but fact, the Dartmouth wasn't able to kind of run all over anyway against, you know, Stang's mm-hmm. defense actually, it was the short fields that really allowed Dartmouth to win that game, which uh, was, you know, kind of a more of a, a wind issue anyway. Yeah. We'll, get all, we'll rehash that game all the way from two weeks ago, but they were equally matched teams. Like yeah. You play that game ten times, and it might go five and five. Mm-hmm. Who wins that game? Uh, and to me, that means that Dartmouth is on another level from Fairhaven. And I might not have known that two, you know, two weeks ago before you know they beat Somerset Berkeley, but it was still pretty close. Yes, and it was really hanging with Stan that really kind of proved like this Dartmouth team was just put up against a schedule that was just too tough for it. This if year. Dartmouth yeah. had played Fairhaven though, like early in the season. Then I would say it was more of a toss-up, just because dealing with the adversity they had. I understand the schedule was tough, but I, I'm not saying Fairhaven would have won, but they would have had a much better chance than they do right now. Where, like you guys said, Dartmouth. Flip side though rolling. is now they have Brady Bennett, and mm-hmm. the offenses look pretty good under Brady Bennett. The defense has been giving up a lot of points, but they've been scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pick the Indians. I yeah. am too. Yeah, yeah Dartmouth. Yeah, so uh, no, no mixed picks here. Let's go. Uh, born at Wareham. Uh, they did play her this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, born one by a significant margin. Uh, I think I want to say 47-18 or something like that. 
Look, what Wareham's doing over there in terms of where their program was last year and where they are this year, um, seriously, you know, I know that moral victories are only so important in sports and they get a little tired when we labor them, but it's like with what, what Wareham's dealt with, um, you know, talking to Coach Cass a couple times, they've, they have made huge strides as a program this year. I don't think they're going to go and beat Bourne. Um, I know they got a, a couple wins this year, right? Where him has, yep. and that's great. That's huge. Um, I think that this is just going to be too tough for them. But the fact that they made it to the end of the season and have the numbers still to to go out there and compete with another team, and some guys played well than better than others. Um, I think that's huge for them. And I think the program look it's to go and say they're going to be what they were last year next year is is too is maybe tough but i think that they're going to start making strides forward because they, they have the right guy in charge i also believe in fran cass i probably if you had made me bet before the season i would have bet they would have had to forfeit game at yeah. least one game by the 100%. end of the season yeah so i think it's you're talking about moral victories i think that's a legitimate moral victory that yeah. they stayed together they were able to keep just barely enough guys healthy. They were able to find some guys off of that freshman team. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Santiago Pires guys seems like a legit player. They had mm-hmm. some freshmen that are contributing now. Um, you know, guys went down at different positions, and they were, you know, as, as few guys they had, they were able to kind of reshuffle the decks oh, there. Oh, man, yeah. You know, move the furniture around. And, you know, still come up with, with some competitive teams. And, and they always put some points up on the board. Like, yeah. They weren't a team that was getting shut out week after week. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, they kept they kept the pilot light on, you know, like there's something to be said of, you know, I could have seen this in in different with different leadership of just kind of like folding the tents and saying, "What look what we're dealing with? How can we look at the schedule we're playing?" But they got through the season, and I mean, it's only a matter of time until that kind of influx of talent because, you know, Wareham's produced some really legit players like going back to Stephen Cooper and then obviously more more recently Isaac Nascimento and in between there Darian Fernandez and a bunch of other guys. So if, as long as they keep that program afloat and it seems like And you like, see the talent that they have at some of the other schools right now too. Right. Yeah. right. And if they can kind of create this culture where those kids stay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. And it's not just football, it's other sports too, but if they kind of if they can keep their own athletes like like you said, they're producing athletes. They've yeah. always it's produced athletes. It's just a matter man. of keeping them at Wareham High School. I remember when I was when I was growing up. You know, you, the teams you played like New Bedford was always tough. Like South End, whatever Dartmouth was always tough, and uh, Wareham Gateway they were always stacked. I mean, they had that kid Denzel Brito who went on to play at Loyola. Um, I think he played at Lawrence Academy for high school. Um, Ryan Delgado. Uh, I think they had Pat Murphy. I mean, just so many talented kids, and, and a lot of them. Didn't quite a few of them didn't play at Wareham, and that's huge. If they can create that culture with through those, you know, through primarily football and basketball, you know, then they can go and get compete with anybody. Seriously, they have they always have talented kids. Yeah, if you if you took all the Wareham kids and put them back on the Wareham team, they're yeah. they're an over five hundred team, I think. How many oh, kids yeah. on Stang are from Wareham? Isn't like just three? a couple? It's not too many on yeah. Stang, but Justin Lopes, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah, they have some know, him and of, him and of himself, and obviously ORR and ORR. Yeah, yes. uh, I think five or six starters for Old Rochester. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's both from Wareham. De- DeWolf, DeWolf and is one of them. Cody's one of them. Um, uh, Tyler knows one of them. Um, Jeez, uh, one or two of the linemen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you pluck those, you know, the, what you just pluck the wolf and and uh, we said no was right, yep. no and Lopes, and you stick them on Wareham. I mean, they're competing with everybody pretty much. It's huge, but that's the way it goes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's Frank Cass is uh, coaching with the hand he's been dealt, uh, but from here on, looking forward, he has a little bit more influence over that. If he kind of like we talked about that culture, if he kind of creates 
a system where kids grow up wanting to play for Wareham football and they don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's his challenge number one. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not X's and O's. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of creating a system where everyone wants to stay there and Absolutely. play there. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. All right. So uh, now we're, we're through with the, with the two locals. Uh, we'll go to uh, Attleboro here, Bishop Stang, visiting Bishop Fian. Uh, you know, this is kind of... Uh, I think this was game game two of the losing streak for the Spartans, if I remember. They uh, lost to yeah. Coyle Cassidy. They started off 4-0, lost a close game to Coyle, and then lost to Fian, and they haven't, they haven't won since. Yeah, Fian's a pretty darn good team. I mean, this is this is a tough one for them. I mean, don't get me wrong, Stan can hang with them. And when I, I was there when they played one another, um, and I think it ended up being a three-score game, I think it was, but maybe it was two. It was two, two or three. No, it was two. It I was think two. it was two in the end. But it yeah. was two, but there were a couple like of missed... Like a 35-21 type game, if I remember, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, there were a couple missed opportunities that Stang had. I think there was like one or two red zone trips they didn't score. Um, they they can pull it off, but they are going to have to play uh, not flawless football, but pretty close. It's definitely doable, but it is, it's going to be a big challenge for them. And you wonder if there's a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of hang. The Dartmouth game was so big. Yeah. They got so pumped up for that one. And, you know, there's the rivalry pride here, but they've already lost to him once a season. So it's, it's not back. like this is our. It's true. I don't know. I just, this is a tough one for I him. hope Stan gets up for it. But yeah. I, I can see this as a game where they don't have a whole ton to play for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Fian is tough. Yeah. Fian is tough. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a, like, Possibly like a national media presence there because the the Brewski angle and then Fourier's son. Mm. So I I thought I heard something about ESPN covering. You know, it'll just be like a quick. They're not going to cover the game, but they're yeah. just going to be like popping in and you know doing a little oh, live. Oh, you'll be there something. for that. Um, uh, actually, we had a last minute switch, so I will not be there for that. But who's going to do it? John now? Darling will be at that game. No. Oh, yeah. nice. I don't we know. Look, we be... looked at some logistics, and anyway, we don't think it's all yeah. who's doing Thanksgiving where and how close it is to their house. And anyway, mm. yeah. So, but uh, you know, I'll be in Fall River at uh, the Voketech Diamond game. We haven't gotten to yet. Oh, okay. But it is. It's just so crazy how the narrative of a season changes because obviously starting four and zero, and then you're looking at it. Uh, you know, it it looks to me like Dartmouth and uh, Bishop Stanger both going to end the season at four and seven. Wow! And then Dartmouth wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, eight, Dartmouth owns the head-to-head the head matchup, so you would say like, oh, Dartmouth had a better season. But it's just so funny the way that we've, you know, kind of covered him. It's always been Bishop Stang was you know the the team that had it going on. And again, a lot of that is just a product of a really challenging schedule. And they did play awesome in that ORR playoff game. And and, and, and what you do early becomes you know exponentially bigger than what you do late i mean you see it in every professional league you know a team starts off two and eight and it's the end of the world in basketball yeah but if, if they go two and eight in february yeah. nobody's as worried about it but if bishop stang played dartmouth's schedule they would have been on you know whatever oh they would have been in trouble yeah so. by the way you pushing the uh, panic button on the celtics at all right now uh, i haven't fully pressed the panic button but i've definitely pressed the uh uh, reduced expectations button. When are you doing this the as far next as a, Banner 18? Oh, Banner, poor Banner 18. Been on hold for a while. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, sorely uh, left alone recently. And, uh, wow. yeah, we got to get back to the Banner 18s. But I've been so busy with all these high school sports. Oh, uh, yeah. He's, so, there's a lot. I'm, priorities, I'm the busiest you know? I've ever been here. Yeah. The busiest yeah, I've ever been. keeping you busy, too. Yeah. Um, so, who are so, you yeah, picking? I'm, uh, uh, in this game, I'm going to be picking Fian. I'm yeah. going to go with Stang. Nice. Yes. Wow. The one different one. We've got to mix it up a little bit, right? I'm one game behind Laurie, so I can't go out on limbs here. I've really oh, got yeah. to play this one tight to, close to the vest. I don't know yeah. what would happen to happen. I mean, just Fian, just the way hanging out, 
the way. Well, you, I, I, don't I don't know. know. If you got like a couple turnovers early, yeah. got ahead early, maybe you know, which has been Stang's issue has been they've gone off to a lot of slow starts. They've fallen behind in a lot of games and yeah. playing come old Rochester Dartmouth. They were playing comeback mm-hmm. the whole game. They almost got there and they just couldn't quite. Well, when yeah. you look and they so, play hard. So yeah. if you're behind Lori by one game, then you're the one that has to play catch up. You can't play exactly. So where is she? Like, you have to look. You have to look for, for the ones you can go out on a limb for. So I mean, or, or you just, I just play it close and I wait for her to make the error. Yeah, but dude, this is only one week. You know, I'm, I'm the less talented tennis player here, right? <laughs> and one, I just got to return the ball over the net until she makes the error. There's one game left. I mean, there's one week left, and then there's old Rochester. And, then one game, and yeah. obviously, and we're probably all picking old Rochester. Of course, come on, let's be real. <laughs> so I mean, you gotta. I mean, the only one. That, what are the toss-ups here? I guess we're, Volk? Get, we're getting to the the two toss-ups. The, two probably to- the last two games we have to talk okay, about here. Let's, okay, nice segue. So yes, Voketech at Diamond. Uh, Diamond's probably the team out of this Thanksgiving Day schedule I know the least about. I'm right there with you. Um, the so they're Bengals. coming into it at three and six. Mm-hmm. So we know that. So they had a bye week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vogue Tech is coming in at three and seven. Didn't have a bye week. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about. We think you know the Bears have done a great job of continuing to improve despite a myriad of injuries that they've suffered to some mm-hmm. key skill positions. Um, but yeah, this is this is probably one of the toss-up games. I mean, this is one of those games where where you'd think size, like in terms of school, would like totally just trump one over the other. But it never seems to happen. I feel like I've done of the four Thanksgivings I've done. I feel like two of them have been Voke and Diamond. Maybe at least one for sure. And every single year, <sighs> it seemed closer than I expected. Um, so as much as I would want to say Voke right away. I still I, I'm going to think about it before I make my prediction. But Diamond could easily pull this one off. Just be, and it's just because it's Fall River versus New Bedford. Now we do have a couple scores that matter. Uh, Kate, they both uh, so Case beat Diamond seven nothing mm-hmm. way what? back in week two. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Diamond beat Bristol Plymouth twenty to nothing. I believe Voke beat them twenty eight nothing. Yeah. So those are similar scores. Um, yeah, those would be. Oh, and. Um, uh, Diamond beat Bourne twenty six to fourteen. Really? Ooh. Well, I'm going with Diamond. I'm, I hope I'm. I hope Vogue can pull it out. But that's impressive that they. I mean, the case score is impressive. Yeah, that is. Yeah, seven other than case. The Bourne is... score is impressive because I think Bourne uh, put a whooping on Vogue, didn't they? Ah, uh, did they play? Actually, I don't know if they. Oh, Jesus, Brandon, what are you doing? <laughs> Amateur. No hour free ads on the show. Uh, yeah, no, I'm trying to look at it. Yeah, no, they did not. Uh, Voke and Bourne did not play this season. Oh, okay. 28 nothing against BP, and uh, they, they did not play Case, but then there's a bunch of common opponents between yeah. Voke and Case. This is, this is a tough one. Yeah, so the only actual common opponent was BP. 20 nothing, 28 nothing wins. Where are you going on this? I'm going to wait to see what Lori picks and go opposite. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm going to go Vogue. I think I just have, I don't know. I don't know why. I Lori's going to go Vogue, too. I, I can't, hope you know. She is going to go Vogue, so maybe I'll go Diamond. But I know this is a game that I, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know. This one's a mystery to well, me. Well, Sam went Diamond, so I'll go Vogue. So that way we have a little bit of a difference here. Nice. Yeah. That's a tough one. It's a t- I think it's a toss up, though, as much as any game here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one I would be least surprised where they go in either direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like a good matchup. The other games seem pretty lopsided. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, and then we're into the Wednesday night game. I've been meaning to ask. You've never asked Matt Trahan why they play on Wednesday. I have never asked. I get them. why they. So there's going to be at Taunton High. They don't have lights, obviously, at Old Colony. So oh, is that Taunton this year? It's at Taunton High. Yeah. The past kind of fun. Tech, you know, the past has been at Tri County. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know why they play on Wednesday. Why are they playing at Taunton? Is it because it's supposed to be like a neutral site? Is that what it is? 
It's all it's a home game for Old Colony. I, I don't know if the Vogue Field wasn't available. Maybe or, yeah, is Vogue home against? Uh, but it's Thursday, so I mean they're going to play. I mean, yeah, but is it? But is it, it? It is home for Vogue. No, it's not Diamond. It's that Diamond. So they, what the heck are they doing? It makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. even know why they don't play on Thanksgiving. I I have no idea. I've never asked them that. Uh, that would be a good question to ask. Um, that's on me. I guess I am the Old Colony expert here. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you're supposed to be on that beat. Yeah, I don't know. But I um, they're playing Tri County this year. What are the comp like the they didn't play each other, right? They don't play each other. Uh, uh, no, they've not played each other. There's, there's a, probably a few uh, common opponents. Uh, Tri County though is sitting at seven and three. Ooh, that Whereas hurts. Old Colony is five and five. Mm. And I want to say they were four and one at one point this season. Is it, that right? Yeah, they were. And so they, I think they're one and four in their last five games. And Old Colony got the, won the Cougar Cup last year too. So you know Tri County is going to want it big time. Oh, so that's see, Tri County beat South Shore twenty-eight to six. Uh, they beat uh, Cape Cod Tech twenty-one-six. I know Old Colony uh, lost to them eight to nothing. I want to say they lost them twice because they, they played them in the no post- Upper Cape. Cape Cod Tech and Upper Cape different. Yeah, so this is Cape Cod Tech. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know it's very confusing. I actually yeah. went to that game thinking they were playing Upper Cape until I got there, and then it was Cape. Cod so Tech. you went to Cape Cod Tech. Well, I didn't. Think- it was a home game for Old Colony. <laughs> okay. Thank goodness. But yes, I think I believe I even tweeted on my way to the game the wrong team. Oh, uh, let's happened. see. They beat Atlantis thirty-three to nothing. We've always talked about how much you can't read into Atlantis you can't read games. That. Um, here you go. They beat Bristol Plymouth forty-one to six. And Bristol Plymouth beat beat fourteen uh, nothing. I think it was against Old yeah Colony. yeah. No one scored more than fourteen other than so hold it was Upper Cape they played twice. Or was Upper it, Cape they played twice. So up until that game, no one had scored more than fourteen points against Old Colony. Then Upper Capes put up I think a twenty one spot or something like that. I'm gonna be honest. I as much as I like Tri County beat Diamond thirty one to six. Yeah, Tri County is stacked. <laughs> oh man, I I uh, that's I'm I've never heard of a good uh, Tri County team for anything. I I'm blown away, uh, but I'm gonna have to pick them. I don't and think a bunch I'll, of ringers. They, they have just, lost. They have lost two in a row to uh, West Bridgewater and Millis. Yeah, but West Those Bridgewater. You know what? I was talking to Trahan. Playoff teams, I think. Yeah, I was talking to Trahan the other day. The West Bridgewater game was in the playoffs. West Bridgewater's come out of nowhere, and now they're like the force of the Mayflower. Like, man, times have changed. When I was <laughs> when I was there, I mean, West Bridgewater was a joke, and so was Tri County. I don't know what happened. That's on Old Colony and Westport. That's their fault. <laughs> but yeah, I'm picking Tri County in this one. It doesn't sound they, like they've given up the Mayflower throne. Y- oh, yeah. What is Tri County's nickname? It's a Cougar Cup. They're both Cougars. They're both Cougars? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, then I'm going with the Cougars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tri-County Cougars, that is. You set that whole thing up there? <laughs> I didn't actually know they were both the Cougars. It's a great nickname, though. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was actually going to be more of a toss-up, uh, but now that I'm looking at some of these scores, it seems hard not to I'd love Tri-County. to be wrong. I would love to be yeah. wrong. I don't think we're going to be wrong. That would actually though. be kind of a fun Wednesday. I'm trying to think. What this could be what I'll, I'll be up in Taunton at 6 o'clock if you want to join me. This could I'll be where it. you steal it from Lori, though, because as long as she doesn't listen to the podcast and doesn't <laughs> know that information, she's probably going to pick Old Colony. That's true. That she might be my chance to tie it up there. Yes, it this is. is the big test. What's worse Lori is that I had a one-game lead going oh. into Week 10, What was the, and you I lose lost it, it. I lost it. I picked Stang to beat Dartmouth. <laughs> Which, hey, that <laughs> wow. Was, Never bet against Rick White. That game, like I said earlier. That's what Lori words that Lori lives by. Oh, man. And, gosh, what was the other one I got wrong? I would have picked. That was a tough one, but I got it. Yeah, that one. And I would have picked Stang in that one, too. You guys are front runners. Honestly, I can't remember what the other one was. Oh, when you have the the favorite for offensive player of the year on the team, and Dartmouth has not been what they've been in the past, I would think that's the year. And they're trying to get on the right track. I picked Fairhaven. 
picked upon and quit to Ooh, Ooh, man. Yeah. I don't know. Who'd Vogue play? It's so long ago now. Who did Vogue uh, play for long? Oh, they played Seekonk. That might have been the other one. Yeah, because I think I thought Seekonk was not as good as... Yeah, I think I picked uh, Vogue yeah. Tech to beat Seekonk in that yeah. one. That was, uh, that was the other one. Whoops. Yeah, so, well, thanks for joining us, guys. That's the uh, entire slate of Thanksgiving and um, pre-Thanksgiving games. Yeah. We'll be back to uh, preview the Old Rochester Ooh. versus Stoneham. Yeah. Vision We're 6 Championship super, game. We have an official, uh, I should have said this earlier in the podcast, it is going to be Sunday, or Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, <laughs> December 1st at 3.30 p.m. At oh, Gillette. At Gillette That's Stadium. That's a nice, nice time. That's a nice time. Oh, we, great time for deadline. Here in the press, we enjoy that. Yes, very happy Not too that. early. We don't get like the 9 a.m. game where we got to be there at the break of dawn, but right. we got plenty of time to file. Uh, hopefully it means we have an awesome product in Sunday's paper. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. You and me are going to be on it. And Mike. Me and Nick and uh, Mike Valeri. We and, got uh, I haven't heard from Lori. I keep waiting for Lori to kind of make a brief appearance out of McCarty oh, League to cover this game. She would. I wouldn't put it past her. But Lori, we'll stay home. Doctor's <laughs> orders. Come on. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. As always, we had fun with this uh, South Coast End Zone podcast. You can listen to it on iTunes, Omni, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a good rating uh, and follow along. Give us a like. Give us a follow. You can also follow all these games on Twitter at SC underscore Varsity. Read about all the games online at South Coast Today and SouthCoastVarsity.com. And check out the Friday edition of the Standard Times this week. It's going to be our special big blowout Thanksgiving edition. we got a whole page dedicated to each game. we got a photographer and a reporter at every game. So we'll have buku coverage.